Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Malcolm White. I'm your host today. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday afternoon wherever you are in Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, or Arkansas. I'm in the studio at MPB Think Radio with Kevin Farrell, the producer. He's got on green shoes today. And joining us as our guest is the one and only Sherry Lucas. Welcome, Sherry Lucas. Thank you, Malcolm. Sherry Lucas has on cowboy boots, or is it cowgirl boots? I think either would suffice. Either would suffice. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today. Um, the music that uh, we began our program with was a bit of instrumental music from Mr. Marty Stewart and his a band known as His Fabulous Superlatives. Great name for a band, I share. I love that band. As a writer. I love it. What a name. (laughs) It's an instrumental called Tornado. Uh, We'll play a little bit of Charlie Mars and a little bit of Marty as we go on. But uh, first of all, I wondered if you would tell our viewers where you're from, uh, where you grew up. uh, And I think it's Yazoo City. I could be wrong. It is Yazoo (laughs) City or about seven-tenths of a mile outside the city limits in the hill portion. So I'm not... Technically a Delta girl, huh. but I know that gateway really well. So what is the community, or is it called Yazoo City? It is. It's uh-huh. Yazoo City, and I went to Main Street School, mm-hmm. and then Yazoo City High School. Then I took off for Ole Miss, and then I came back south for Jackson, and I've wow. been here since. Ever since? Ever since. You did, you did not wander far? No. From, from Yazoo? <laughs> I didn't get very far. So I'm always interested in these great communities around the state and who they have produced. Can you help me with the long list of uh, Yazoo Creative Mafia? Yes. I believe that that includes Willie Morris. It does. Zig Ziglar. Mm. Jerry Clower. Uh-huh. Joanne Pritchard Morris. Exactly. Harriet Kirkendall. Mm-hmm. Harriet DeSalle Kirkendall. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the people who come immediately to mind. There's some painters, are there not? Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh oh! Don't put know. me on the spot. No, that's not. No, I was trying to remember. Uh, I think Hope Carr does some some really nice painting. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to. No one else is coming immediately. That's mind. cool. That's that's pretty good. Oh, oh, we we it's not creative, but we left out former governor Haley Barber. Oh, that's right, Haley Barber. It's very creative. Yes, and a great supporter. <laughs> that's right. Of the arts. That's right. Thank you, Haley. <laughs> Thanks for all you do. <laughs> so uh, what did you study at Ole Miss? How did you become uh, a journalist? I studied journalism. Ah, that's exactly how one does it. And, and once I got out of J school and into Jackson, I opened my the horizon of, of the arts. You know, that's always been a pull for me. I've always been interested in it. I didn't exactly study it in a formal setting, but I sure did in my free time. Mm-hmm. So when you came, when you graduated from Ole Miss with this degree in journalism, who were some of your uh, professors? Who was, uh, who were your influences? Tommy Miller, mm-hmm. Will Norton, yeah, um, Gail Denley. Gail, I know. I, I took news photography from Gail Denley. Oh, good. Yeah, he he told me, quote unquote, White, you're never going to amount to much. <laughs> end quote. <laughs> I said you. Your pictures. There's nothing. What? Not in them. even in the photography realm. <laughs> Do you send him a copy of your book? He had passed, unfortunately, <laughs> oh, by the oh. time the book came out. Too bad. Uh, but I did quote him in there. Good. Uh, in the forward. 
Uh, he said, there, there's nothing happening in your photographs. They're just pretty pictures. <laughs> he said, just to remind you, this is a news photography class. I see. Ah, so I was just interested in taking photographs and learning how to use a dark room. <laughs> so it was the Clarion Ledger your first job or was Jackson, the Jackson Daily, Daily News? Jackson Daily News was my first job. Why don't you explain to our listeners what the Jackson Daily News was? Because most of them don't remember. <laughs> the Jackson Daily News was a scrappy afternoon paper where people would show up early and bang out the news and then get it in your, in your driveway by, oh, you know, four. <laughs> and, and I think most people today would have a hard time imagining what that world was like back then. Not only are newspapers on the decline and they're becoming more and more skimpy and less and less relevant. They've turned more or less to uh, online dis- you know, distribution, uh, online content. Very few people hold a newspaper anymore. They're not delivered to our homes anymore. But just a, a very short while ago, there was a morning paper and an evening paper. There was the Clarion Ledger and the Jackson Daily News. That's how important newspapers were. Well, oddly enough, I'm doing much the same thing that I've always done just in different platforms in in different places. Mm-hmm. Well, you have long served Mississippi uh, as a uh, cult, art and culture journalist reporter, that I would say. So you've kind of seen it all and covered it all. And from what period would you say is the Sherry Lucas period? I mean, you're still in it. So I'm still in it. You so, got in when? Um, I started at the Jackson Daily News in 1983, and my interest was always in the arts. I wasn't, you know, fully dedicated to arts, entertainment, culture, food, but that has morphed over the years. And in totality, I'm I'm knocking on the door of 35 years doing this in one way or another. Uh, And were you there when the Clarion Ledger won the Pulitzer? I had just arrived and I missed the party. You missed the party. It was a great party. I actually <laughs> I heard it was it. a great party. I hosted at George it Street, at George right? Street with Sam Myers. Yeah, I, I heard that. Maybe Anson Funderburg and Rockets, or it may have been the Tangents, but it was a huge party. And lots of champagne, I hear. It was lots of champagne. And uh, that was the first Pulitzer and I believe the last one they've won. And it was for coverage of education, as I recall. Yes. Yes. Right? Public you, service Pulitzer. Public service, and I would say that it's probably safe to say that nobody was that was around then is still with the paper. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Debbie Skipper. Ah, she's an editor. Yes, she was a a writer back then. She was a yes, I a believe she writer. was a features writer. Yeah, and then she. Now you were a columnist at one time too, right? I was. So you 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 were a, a news, I guess you'd call it a reporter. A reporter. A porter feature writer, feature writer mostly, I think, would, uh-huh. would be um, what the position I had the, for the bulk of it. And what? And you were at the Clarion Ledger from from eighty three until? Well, at the Clarion Ledger from eighty nine until um, twenty sixteen. Yeah. And uh, during that time, talk about all the different jobs you had and all the different things that you did in terms of moving from one thing to the next to the next to the next? Or was it all sort of one big thing? It was all kind of one big thing, mm-hmm. if, if my memory serves me correctly. <laughs> 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 but, you know, it, with the reduction of staff, you know, you, mm-hmm. would, um, you would keep getting new duties. So that, that included human interest, entertainment coverage, mm-hmm. food coverage, food editing. I mean, just a lot of different 
Yeah. Yeah. And what, what was your favorite? What, what did you enjoy? The most? What pieces did you enjoy the most of that work? I enjoyed sharing people's stories mm-hmm. that involved good ideas, um, creative pursuits, passionate hobbies, and accomplishments, mostly, that, that tied into the community. I, I really enjoyed keeping abreast of community changes that seemed to be going in the direction that improved the livability of mm. Jackson. I would say that those are the ones that I really enjoyed sinking my teeth into. And and where would you put the livability of Jackson today as compared to when you arrived here in 83? Well, I still live here. And so, <laughs> so do it's I. a pretty so it's pretty attractive to me um and pretty close to my heart from that standpoint, but there's a spirit afoot I see in the young people that I'm I'm very glad to see there's so many more that are engaged and passionate and like to do things in downtown Jackson and in Fondren and are all up in Midtown and, mm-hmm. um, and you know, even in the district area, LaFleur, right. uh, LaFleur, LaFleur East or LaFleur's Bluff? It's LaFleur something. The yeah. Bluff is more, I don't know, the Bluff is like where the park is and or LBT and Howland Mouse. I mean, that's technically right, but up on the block. we're in that neighborhood now. Yeah. But there's a real there's a real energy. There are people who are passionate about covering the areas and and all the good things going on. Mm-hmm. And I I have to do a shout out to to Paul Wolf who does Find It and Fondren and now Explore the Floor. But but he's he was like the first one who put me in that interviewee situation, right. <laughs> and I was pretty nervous. But when he, um, but when the story came out, he said, "For a good time, call Sherry Lucas." And I thought, <laughs> "Oh my God!" But, but he he was highlighting the fact that that a lot of the things I covered were just very positive things that were happening in our community, and I think that that's how you you keep a finger on the community pulse too, is to let people know that good things are happening. Right, right. Well, you didn't have to do front page stuff. You didn't do ha- you didn't have to do car wrecks or bad right. weather. Or, right. You, you you had the sort of privilege of being able to do the the good stuff. Thank God. <laughs> so you're able. <laughs> That's to do where it. I like the sunny side of the streets. My right. friend Donna says. So you arrived here uh, the year that of, of the first St. Patty's Parade. Do you remember it? Absolutely. I was on the corner of Capitol Street and. Let's say president, I believe, in a pickup truck slowed down, and Mary Shanklin and I got on top of on the hood and rode to George Street. So you sort of shagged a ride in the parade. I did. You didn't. You weren't at CS's when it started. No. You were. No, I was down a spectator. Turn, you were just standing there watching. participant. <laughs> and then you thought, lo and behold, I think I'll I'll this jump. I'll jump on board. That's right. And and what is your perception of, of those 35 years of the way that it has changed and grown and evolved or, or whatever? You've seen them all. I've seen I've seen them all. You've and covered them all. I've covered a, well, a bulk maybe you didn't of them. Further, maybe you did not cover the, the 83. I don't know. No. No, I didn't. Okay, but, so you've covered but, most um, of them. But I've certainly kept an eye on it yeah. in one way or another from within and without. But I love that it's back on Capitol Street. Yeah. Me too. You know, I saw a couple of pictures with the um, <laughs> with the old Capitol in the background, and I thought, "What did they just have everybody turn around since they're going the wrong the, the a different <laughs> yeah. way?" So that was kind of that was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, 
And you also covered Jubilee Jam through all those years. I did. Which was a remarkable period. And enjoyed it several times in the rain. Yes. We, unfortunately, we, we received rain a number of times. Now, you used to have uh, a group uh, that participated in the parade. Yes, I was one of the sophisticated Emeraldettes. Uh, another great title. Tell us about the sophisticated Emeraldettes. Well, they were led by my friend Rose Cassano, and she would corral all of us and her and some of her family members, and we would try to take a sophisticated take on whatever your theme was. Mm-hmm. So we had floats like Rhapsody in Green and <laughs> um, A Midsummer's Green and Streetcar O Desire. <laughs> So you Those would take some the of theme, ours. your group would take the theme and try to put a, a sophisticated twist on it. That's right. And That's a sense right. of humor. Yes. And, 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 <laughs> and how many years did the Emeraldettes? I think uh, nine or ten. Oh, huh. nice they run. They made a good run. Yeah. And what, what was the undoing of the Emeraldettes? Oh, you know, people moved and yeah. they grew up. Were they mostly? <laughs> <laughs> I hate to put it that way. That's but okay. Kind of. I think some people have outgrown the parade. I've met a few of them. But, but I I just wanted to sit it out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. What was your most memorable parade uh, moment? Oh, that had time? to be <laughs> that had to be the Rhapsody in Green when I was um, I was wearing sunglasses and a strapless black dress in the parade, and I was interviewed by WLBT, mm. and the guy was just great. He said, "Well, do you see a lot of sophistication out here?" And I think I said, "No, I think we're it." <laughs> <laughs> And that was the clip he put on. Well, of course. <laughs> if you'd been the journalist, you would have used the same clip. I was helping him out. You, had to, you were doing his work for him. All right. My guest today is Sherry Lucas, a longtime uh, writer, supporter, and journalist uh, that covered all things arts and culture uh, from the Clarion Ledger, from the Jackson Daily News. And now she works for all sorts of people that we'll talk about when we come back from the break. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Malcolm White. I'm your host today on this Sunday afternoon. We hope that you are enjoying each drop of the springtime. Sherry Lucas is my guest. Welcome back, Sherry. Thank you. What do you like about the springtime in Mississippi? I like the the flowers. I like the blooms. Mm, lots of them. That's right. Uh, and then there's the pollen. I don't know if you like that. Well, I, 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 I try to get my 20 sneezes out, you know, before breakfast. Ah, okay. Sherry uh, is, uh, would you call yourself a freelance writer? What, yes, what that's, that is what I call myself. Okay. Well, you spent a lot of years uh, with the Jackson Daily News, Clarion Ledger, and then you you moved on. And so what I'd like to start this segment off with is like what I call life after the Clarion Ledger. So... Uh, tell us how you do this. I mean, talk about being an independent uh, small business operator, <laughs> right? What's the business model for you work for an organization for a long time, you're, you're a staff writer, and then suddenly you're out on your own and you're trying to make up your business every you're day. You're scrambling to find uh, places to put stories you want to do and people who will assign you stories that they want. Mm-hmm. So it's a mix of those and contract writing, things like that. 
can you talk about some of the work that you do and the, some of the people you work for? Sure. I'd be really interested, and I think our listeners would be really interested in hearing about the portfolio of an independent <laughs> contractor, independent I've, writer. I've been privileged to do a couple of stories for the National Endowment for the Humanities, and wow. I, I'm, I'm pleased to do that. I did a story for Delta Sky Magazine. And for what I call Delta Delta magazine to distinguish it, <laughs> Scott Coopwood's publication uh-huh. in the Delta. And I've got a story on Prospect Hill coming up. Oh, do you? For there. Yeah, that was a fun one. And let's see, I've done stories with the Northside Sun mm-hmm. in their magazine as well in the SIP. The SIP. Uh, mm-hmm. For MississippiToday.org. A lot, a lot of fun stories for them. Right. And Legends have had a story Meridian. on the IBC. Mm-hmm. International, I'm sorry, USA International Ballet Competition. Right. For people who don't know that acronym, um, uh, let's see. Done a lot of a uh, lot of stories for the Clinton Courier. So small I've, town I've, newspaper. <laughs> I know. And you said you did a series about their Main Street program. Their I did. I did a year long um, collection of stories that marked the 10 year anniversary of Main Street Clinton, and that's that's another program that I've I've been happy to follow the the strides that they've made in small towns all over the state. Right. Is there a, a website? I mean is all of your stuff published in I, random <laughs> Yes. Yes online it's, it's, and I guess print also places, uh, but there is no like Sherry Lucas there well all stories I have a Sherry LinkedIn Lucas. page and I try to I try to put stuff on there, but I have a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. I have two Facebook pages, which is, you know, probably two more than I want to have. But, <laughs> and they but are, that's just go to Facebook Sherry and Lucas. type in Sherry yeah, Lucas. Yeah, there's Sherry Lucas Writer, and then there's Sherry Lucas if you're a friend of mine. I got you. And so there, there are examples of the work that you're currently doing. Right. And I do a weekly entertainment roundup for Find It and Fondren and for Explore the Floor, which... Uh, what is... Uh, Find It and Fondren is a Find It and Fondren is a website and a and a publication that covers um, covers growth and and features and fun stuff and personalities and events that are in Fondren or okay. tangential to Fondren, right? You know, right. like Midtown, Belhaven, um, the Fondren area, the you know Northeast Jackson, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. The entertainment roundup that I do is similar to the weekend roundup that I used to do when I worked at the Clarion Ledger, and it's a roundup of events that I think people ought to know about, support, and go to. And how many years do you think you and I talked on the phone before email about the events that I was trying to get you to run? On the, it was Thursday, wasn't it? Yes. At the Clarion Ledger. Oh, I, you Was know, it every Thursday this came I out? I can't remember when weekend came out, but it had to be... The weekend publication probably, I was probably doing it before then. So it might yeah. have been somewhat t- sometime in the 80s, probably. Right. Probably, weekend, probably coincided with the opening of Hall and Mouse. 85. <laughs> yeah. So it's or now, maybe before. Yeah, maybe. I can't remember. When did Gannett buy out the Hedermans? Do you remember the history there? Yeah, I was still in college. You were still in college. <laughs> okay. Long time ago. Way, way back when. Yeah, before 1983, before I started there. Yeah, okay. So when you came, it was Gannett. That's right. And it's still Gannett. That's right. That's the USA, I mean. The USA Network. USA Network. Network. Yes. USA Today. USA Today Network. And all of its outreach that still owns and operates the paper. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So do you work for any other newspapers like uh, you said the Northside the, Sun? The Northside Sun. I've I've I think I did one story for their newspaper, but um, Most I've done do I've done stuff. several for their magazine. Oh, okay. What's the name of their magazine? The Northside North Sun. Oh, I, I thought it was. I, I don't know. That's all right. You don't have to know. The Northside Sun magazine. There you go. <laughs> so in in your years of covering Jackson and Mississippi, which I would say that would your territory was the whole state, because mm-hmm. Clarion Ledger is state statewide. That's right. what they say. Their banner says that. Oh, okay. What? <laughs> tell me about some of your favorite stories and some of your most interesting celebrity or characters you ever covered? Hmm. I was so happy to get to meet and and talk with Edward Bellilla, hmm. a famous ballet dancer, yes. and he was the uh, chairman, the jury chairman, I think was the title, for the USA International Ballet Competition last time around. And what what an accomplished dancer and just creative spirit that he was. And I think I had had talked to him. I had interviewed him by phone mm-hmm. first. And then I, I had not yet met him, but I went to um, I went to an IBC function or something. I was sitting on the front row. And and he just came, yes, with my notebook all ready to go. And, you know, and he just broke that wall, came and sat down right next to me and just started talking. And I thought, oh, my God, wow. (laughs) And the I think the only time I I went totally googly was uh, when I had to interview John, John Hyatt, because I was such a huge fan of his. And then I I introduced myself to him at at the bar at LMLs and. (laughs) And I was just practically shaking, but because uh, what a what a great talent and his way with words and stories, I just in and, and rhythm and that combination, I just I, you know, just bow down to <laughs> to his genius on that front. And then he came back a few more times. He played Jubilee Jam a time or mm-hmm. two, and uh, I think he's come to the Riley Center with sort of in an acoustic. Have you seen him since then? Yes, have you been able to. Yes, have you covered him again? No. No, just the one time. Just the one time. And I think he's also touring a record, sort of the anniversary of one of those really famous records that, that you're referring to. I can't remember the name of it. I'm I'm not that. I'm a fan. But, um, but there was a trilogy that I think was so strong. Um, Slow Turning was in Slow it. Slow Turning. That's it. Oh, okay. He's, he's and Walk out, On. He's out touring that oh right seriously now. again oh, my god i'm gonna have to google him <laughs> live bill nichols told me that you're a former colleague oh man I at the clarion that ledger out. he he's a big fan and, and he follows him and he was going to go see this show and i think he's put the band the goners back together who you might remember oh good so uh you've had the great privilege uh and the inside story to cover the international ballet competition oh i've loved that its I'd entire like... time right did, well, did you not know not quite. I think I have been to at least one night of the competition since it started because uh-huh. I I cannot stay away. Um, I love to watch dance, especially dance at, at such a high level mm-hmm. because it's so beautiful. Oh, it's it's incredible. And and what is your take on how unique and blessed we are to have it here? 
I my take is that I'm totally thrilled and I'm always trying to recruit new people to go with me. Um, I don't have a lot of patience if they don't. That's right. It's like, okay, well, you're not worth bothering with anymore. If you don't go, you can't get this. <laughs> now, it comes up next summer, right? In June. That's right. It's yeah. this June. Oh, this June. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This summer. And uh, will you have... Are you covering it for someone yet? Well, or? I have a ticket package. I'm certainly <laughs> You're going. going. Regardless. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I tell people who are who who want to wrap me up into long term projects. I said, okay, well, these dates, you know, I've got the IBC, and they said, oh, are you under contract? I said, no, I'm in the seat. <laughs> yeah, I bought a ticket. <laughs> I'm in the audience. Do you like to go to the daytime? Uh, the first pieces, time or do you I just tell go you, there was there was one time when I think I I finally wasn't going to rely on the press passes, and I bought uh, a ticket package. So I was going to use it. So I was there for the matinees, you mm-hmm. know, for round one. And the the amazing thing for that is you might be sitting there on, you know, an under $10 ticket and a half-empty audience because it's daytime and sure. not a lot of people are right. going to be there and see a gold medal performance. And I saw one, and I it was Giselle, and I... And it made me think of the story of Giselle, that she was dancing as a ghost. And I thought, this woman just won a gold medal with us. And you were sitting And, and I was right. <laughs> in downtown Jackson, Mississippi. That's right. So did you meet Thalia Morrow? Did you ever? Yes. And you, you Yes, I her? interviewed her yeah, a couple I was, times. I thought so. And Miss Welty? Yes, I met, I met Eudora Welty. Did you ever write, do a story about her? I don't, I don't think I did. Leslie Myers was the arts writer at that time, oh, yeah. and, and she pretty much had... Eudora Welty Sonar. Had her wrapped up. <laughs> That's right. What about Willie she, Morris, your homeboy? Yes, yes. I covered Willie a couple of times. Many times. And he was he, he said he was saving st- a story for me. And? Um, and then he died. Oh, you never got it? I didn't get that one. But but he was great. My favorite was <laughs> at the time I had to do, I did a story on, was it home, Homecomings or Homecoming? That Homecoming, book that, yeah. That book that he that did. He, with, and, uh, he and Bill Dunlap did. For so, Joanne. Joanne was oh, the Oh, that's editor. right. Yeah, that's three right. of them did that. So together. I had to make sure I recorded Bill Dunlap because he talks 90 miles an hour. Yes, he does. But, you know, with Kevin Willie, I could— about that. We've had Bill on the show a few times. That boy can talk. <laughs> but with Willie, all I had to do was sit back and very leisurely take some notes, longhand. <laughs> so that was a great contrast. I like that a lot. And when did you meet him? At, not at Ole Miss, here. He, he did— Probably in Yazoo City. Yeah. First, I was— I was probably in high school when I met Willie. He was coming home back then and mm-hmm. spending time there. And David Ray, you know David Ray? I do know David Ray. And uh, Great that, photographer. Yes. Incredible yeah. photographer. He thinks of himself as kind of a Yazoo kid, but, I mean, he was splitting his time between New York, New York and, and Yazoo yes, <laughs> City. Now he's in New Orleans again. That's right. So, you know. Now, you also covered food for a long time, and I think that one of the— most spectacular changes in the Jackson culture. Lots of things have changed uh, in your time and my time. I came here in 79. You came in 83. But the evolution of eating out, the the restaurant portfolio is dramatic from mm-hmm. when you got here and when I got here and what, what our options are now. And you covered a lot of that. You wanna, Can you talk a little bit about the Jackson food scene changing from the sort of the primos and the 
you know, the Greek restaurants to what we have now? It's, it's been very exciting. I am primarily a home cook mm-hmm. rather than a diner out. So it's it's been interesting to see this influx of creativity and and new flavors and new combinations. I love seeing that. Yeah, but you also covered, like, rec- you did recipes and and restaurant reviews and all of that. Right. Well, anyway, we're going to take another break. We'll talk more about food later, even though it's, uh, let's see, what time is it? Yeah, it's about time to eat dinner. Two. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Malcolm White. I'm your host today in the studio with Kevin Farrell, who is our producer. He's wearing green shoes today. And our guest is Sherry Lucas. Welcome back, Sherry. Thank you, Malcolm. Sherry, longtime uh, journalist, writer for our local paper, now an independent operator, works for uh, whomever she pleases these days. Is that right, Sherry? That's correct. So we listened to uh, some Marty Stewart there uh, from the new album entitled Way Out West. And and as we were coming back on, Sherry almost told me a story about the first time she met Marty Stewart. And I told her to hold <laughs> on to it so she could share it with our listeners. So you met – tell us about the first time you met Marty Stewart. Well, I love Marty Stewart. And the first <laughs> <Do> time <laughs> – <laughs> His song "Tempted," I love that. Um, Tempted, but I need to thank you for that because it was at a Governor's Arts Awards occasion at the yeah. Old Capitol, and and he'd been great. I think I had probably again interviewed him over the phone, which is you know not ideal but often necessary. And he won. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he won an award the same year that the Staples Singer yes. or that Pop Staples Pops, won Pops Lifetime Achievement yes. or something, and and it was one of those I call them the Arts Awards moments where you are so glad that you're in your seat there in that environment to catch. This time it was Marty Stewart and Mavis Staples and the Staples Singers all singing the wait. In the House of Representatives chamber of the Old Capitol Museum. And for me, that was certainly a historic moment. So much so that I chased Marty Stewart out the door so I could shake his hand. And here he is with that big hair. And he was wearing a purple maxi coat. Of course and he, he was. He just immediately, I mean, he totally ignored my outstretched hand and just wrapped me up in a big hug. And I thought, I knew I loved this guy. <laughs> And then later I saw his whole uh, country music costume collection, and I thought, I knew I loved this guy. I saw it when it was in when he was it was on display. It. No, it was on display at the Riley Center. It was yes. so connected. Th- yes. That was a, a little tour that he created, and he took a bunch of his collection out on the road, and it stopped at the Riley okay. Center. I can't remember the name of it, but it was just, honestly, was just a sampling. I know, it was just a part of it. And I was like, oh, my God. And he's such a a documenter and historian, and he's been doing it so long because, my God, he started at, what, 13 or something? I think he started (laughs) collecting at 16 or 17. He... He knew that he he already knew what he was going to be and who he was going to marry and what his life was going to be like. And so he just started collecting all of this uh, ephemera and, uh, you know, memorabilia and antiques and and pieces of costumes and guitars and and lyrics. He just started collecting everything. And he now, of course, has the largest collection of country music uh, collectability. I don't know what you call the stuff, but. It's museum stuff. And he also was instrumental in getting the country music 
uh, Hall of Fame and Museum in Nashville open. He was uh, actually the chairman of the board that finally got that museum up and running. Wow. And, and they opened it primarily with his collection. And then wow. they evolved, <laughs> you know, to what they are today. And he's no longer involved. And they still use some of his stuff. But he has now moved all of his stuff from Nashville to Philadelphia, his hometown, and is in the process of putting together what he calls the Marty Stewart New World Congress of Country Music. I believe I have that right. <laughs> wow. I'm so glad you told me that because now I can also thank Marty Stewart for my love of cowboy boots because <laughs> at the Country Music Hall of Fame, I saw Dale Evans' boots and I thought, I could rock those. <laughs> <laughs> well, the ones you have on today are... Well, thanks. Yeah, that, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty basic. They and get the you, job done. And when you came in, tell the story about the young woman who... <laughs> Recognize well, no, your boots. I was well. I was just at the farmers market today, and um, I just overheard someone say, "Look, she's got on cowboy boots." <laughs> and I looked around, and it was a mom pointing <laughs> pointing out my boots to her three year old boy. And I thought, I like this. I just... <laughs> it's fun being Sherry Lucas. I guess it is. <laughs> So um, we were actually, I wanted to wrap up a little bit more on the food thing. We were talking okay. about that you covered food for a long time for the Clarion Ledger and wrote about it. And you did the recipe page. I don't know what that food page is called anymore, but it, it doesn't matter. But you, you were I think it's called Taste. Taste. Now. But you kind of wrote all of that food piece for I a long, long time. I edited it for a while, and, and, I, and I wrote stuff for a while. And, and what I had asked you about was the evolution of Food culture in Jackson, restaurants, the the culinary scene, how it has changed. And, you know, I was wondering if you wanted to share any more sort of observations about that from your perch. You said you were more of a home cook than a, than a, than a person and because who eats out I, a lot. Because I'm more of a home cook, my main interest is a curiosity about additional flavors to add to my own palate. So I love to see... I love to see chefs doing like a sophisticated take or a deconstructed take on something I'm familiar with as a way to just add a new flavor to my palate. Um, When I eat out. Go ahead. ahead um, Do you have an example of that? I don't have an example already. I just think that's interesting. I'm I'm curious. I'm I'm always led more by my curiosity when I look at a menu. Uh Uh-huh. You know, unless I'm going for the catfish po' boy at Howlin' Mouse, which is, you know, the tried and true favorite. Well, you, so, you on more than one occasion, you wrote about my brother and his cooking mm-hmm. and his soups Incredible and Irish stews and such. Yes. And, uh, yes, and I talked to PJ about that one time, and, and, um, and he was telling me basically that when Hal was teaching him about the soups, about the layering and, you know, the time and the care and certain things going at certain times. And one of the interesting things is to learn about techniques as opposed to just recipes and directions, because I'm one of those people, I can follow directions, but sometimes you just need, you need the the feel of it or the, just the know-how of how it progresses. So I I love talking to chefs about that kind of stuff. And, and I would – two things. One is I just wanted to say that PJ is – PJ Lee, he's Hal's son-in-law, and he learned to uh, cook under Hal at Hal and Mal's, and uh, he is sort of the uh, the next generation of what I call one-pot masters, which is what my brother was. My yes. pop, My brother – he. 
and, and he gets it, he got this from my grandparents. You know, we lived off of one pot dishes, chicken and dumplings, uh, beef stew. Uh, my grandfather referred to this once a week concoction where he cleaned out the refrigerator and made a big soup. He called it slumgullion, which is an actual <laughs> word. I've looked it up. It refers to a giant pot of stew uh, of of. of Various leftovers, not leftovers, but various ingredients. Mm-hmm. So we had slumgullion once a week, and it was never the same. Uh, but but how could man? He, he red beans and rice, gumbo, anything that was a one pot. He was a master. Well, and, that was probably a combination of experience and intuition, wasn't it? That yeah, for and, him. Yes, and being poor, you know, you you grow up in a one pot is the economical way to dine and. You know, you live in, you go to college for years. You you work for cheap labor. You're, a, my brother had lots of careers, and and so he was always, you know, starting a something on the stove, and you know, be ready in four or five hours later, and it'd be a soup or a stew or a gumbo or a some kind of big old pot that would serve a lot of people and serve many meals, lots of leftovers. <laughs> was kind of the way that worked. Well, I love learning about all of that. So that was as as much for my own benefit as for my readers. Did you ever uh, interview uh, any like celebrity chefs, star chefs that you um, admired and thought thought? Well, well I had off? a chance to interview John Falsey when he was through here. Mm-hmm. Um, my emphasis has always really been on the local and celebrating the local. Mm-hmm. And, who and some, I probably did because yeah. I, I can't remember any of the, <laughs> you know, the celebs that I— When you came here in 83, we didn't. there were no chefs. Restaurants didn't have chefs. They just had kitchen workers. <laughs> you know, if there was a chef, it was the owner. And, and you know, like uh, the Fisherman's Wharf, you know, the fellow who owned it was the chef. And, and Mayflower, you know, if they had a chef, it was really the owner. That was, and then everything changed and people started— Going off to schools and getting degrees and becoming certified chefs and it's been interesting that emergence of the personality exactly. too. And some people, some people are better better at it and more comfortable with it than others. I mean, there there might be some restaurants where you say, "I want to talk to the chef," and they look at you like, "Who's what?" We don't have a chef. <laughs> we have we have line cooks back we there. We have Bob. But... <laughs> Bob's back there if you want to talk to Bob. And then I would, I guess it was with the opening of the parlor market when a lot of these young hotshot chefs started to arrive and experiment mm-hmm. and really start getting fancy pantsy uh, about uh, what was coming out of the kitchen. Before that, we just had a bunch of restaurants with people you knew who owned them. So um, now that you are a freelancer, uh, I was wondering if you could share some of your Recent stories, some of the things you're working on currently, because uh, I, I know you you keep a lot of balls in the air in order to— Yes, to... I feel like a lot of them are in the air right now. Yeah. But let's see, some of the ones that have already dropped uh, and, you know, are out there in the public vein. Um, I had a, a really fun story that I got to do on on the IBC that, that previewed the summer's competition that focused on— um, Joseph Phillips and Catherine, I hope I get her name right, Catherine Bartman, who is going to be, Catherine is going to be a competitor again this summer, Mm -hmm. and Joseph Phillips, who is very well known to dance fans here as a former gold medalist, is going to be her non-competing partner. So they were guesting with Mississippi Ballet's Nutcracker. So I had a chance to talk with them about their experiences with competition 
That was in Legends. And I recently had a chance to interview Mark Crowley, who is the uh, playwright for The Boys in the Band, which is having a 50th anniversary run uh, production on Broadway coming up. Yeah. I think immediately. And um, And where did you? Gosh, I can't. Zachary Quinto is in the cast. And. Oh, Jim Parsons, who plays um, on The Big Bang. Both of them are in the cast. And was he in a conversation at New Stage? Am I remembering that correctly? How did you? Not that I recall. Okay. I was assigned that story. And, and, so and that was one of those connections him. that I didn't even know about. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't realize he grew up in Vicksburg. Right, right. That's, so that's that was, that was a fun. He's award. Is he? I said he needs to. Yeah, he does. He I think he does. Every day of my life, I think <laughs> they ought to get I a award. I might have told him that. Somebody needs to nominate. <laughs> Him for a governor's awards, and and is he in? Where is he in New York? Or he is in New yeah, York. Yeah. He has been in New York a long time. long time. He was good friends with Natalie Wood. Really, and that got to connect with another story. You know, you know, the Mississippi has one point five degrees of separation, is which what I like to call it. Right. So when I was um, when I was talking to Mark Crowley, it, he was mentioning meeting Eli Kazan on the set of Baby Doll, which was oh. a movie I had just seen because I was writing about the production that was at New Stage. So I knew exactly who he was referring to, where Benoit was, <laughs> what the film looked like. And it was it was just great to have... It, it's like we're all in the same... Well, we are all in the same community, but right. those close ties just keep us close. And you've been to the Baby Doll house, no doubt. I have not. have not. I've written about it, but I haven't been there. Well, day trip for you. That, yeah, a, a that would be a good one. Delta. So what's what are the things? What are some of the cool things that are kind of on the horizon that you, okay. you're going to be working on? Well, I'm. I finished up a story on Trading Spaces designer Lori Smith. Yeah, you know who used oh, to. Oh, I know Lori. Uh, yeah. She used to live in Jackson. She's now in Memphis, but she is back on Trading Spaces on the reunion show and, and in another episode. So that's coming in the Northside Sun. I did a I story. Didn't know she had moved. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I did okay. a story on a young singer, uh, Elam Robertson, who is um, getting quite a tween following. And she's out in LA doing some music videos and, and things like that. And see, so yeah, I've met a lot of great Jackson Academy students that I've written about. Now, are these <laughs> assignments, or do you sometimes yes, just these, come up with, like, you hear about something those, and you'll go pitch it? All of those have been assignments. Uh-huh. You know, I have pitched things um, on craftspeople like uh, like Jenny Thomas, mm-hmm. uh, farmers like Taylor Yowell. Yep. Um, found out about a, a great... Um, a, a great story, Milton Lee Olive the Third, and the memorial that they that they erected for him on the Fourth of July in Lexington, Mississippi. That was a fun story. Um, that was a very heartfelt story. Well, and I'm sure there are a million more that we will <laughs> have to have you back to talk about more stories. My guest today has been Sherry Lucas, and I appreciate you coming by and. And visiting with us. And Thank you, Malcolm. It's my pleasure. Telling us what's going on in Sherry Lucas land. <laughs> and uh, best of luck in this independent role. Uh, it doesn't sound like you're uh, wanting for work. It sounds well, like there's plenty of work yeah, out there. Yeah, writer for hire. That's right. right here. <laughs> and uh, that about wraps us up today. We appreciate you spending this hour with us at the Mississippi Arts Hour. My name is Malcolm White. I'm the executive director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. And you have been tuned to... 
MPB Think Radio. Thank you, Kevin Farrell. We'll see you next Sunday.